This Washington Post Live podcast is sponsored by Intel, committed to addressing the nation's most critical challenges through corporate responsibility. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. In this segment, U.S. Chamber of Commerce President Suzanne Clark and Bombas co-founder and CEO David Heath talk about the role and responsibilities CEOs and companies have during a time of chaos and crisis. Let's listen. Welcome back. I'm pleased to introduce Bombas CEO David Heath and the president of the U.S. Chambers of Commerce, Suzanne Clark, to talk about innovations and changes in the way that companies can manage their commitments to social responsibility. So first, let's start with you, David, if I may. Um, You founded this company, you co-founded the company in 2013. You learned that socks were one of the first things that people requested from homeless shelters. Tell us about the the driving force behind the company's foundation, how you moved it into t-shirts and what your philosophy is going ahead. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm super excited to be here. Um, So uh, yeah, as you mentioned, um, you know, I came across this quote on Facebook back in 2011, so two years before we actually started the company. And, you know, the focus was that socks were the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks. I didn't immediately go, oh, my God, there's a business here and I'm going to solve that. You know, as a resident of New York City, I started carrying socks around with me in my bag and handing them out on the streets and experiencing this, you know, phenomenon firsthand. Um, And, you know, because I had a business background, I went to school for entrepreneurship you know, it naturally started to kick in that the only way to kind of solve this from a scale perspective was to utilize business. Similar to the way that Tom's was donating shoes and Warby Parker was donating eyewear, we thought maybe we could solve this problem by donating a pair of socks for every pair of socks that we sold. As the company grew and, you know, started to take off, you know, we've donated over 35 million pairs of socks to date. Um, You know, we thought, how can we continue to expand this mission beyond just socks? Um, and really start to build the first ever brand for the homeless community. So we design specific donation socks um, for the homeless community to meet the needs of those that are living on the streets. So they have antimicrobial treatment, reinforced seams, darker colors. And now we're starting to tackle the number two and number three most requested clothing items. So t-shirts are number three, underwear is number two, which we're launching in Q1 of next year. And as we continue to grow the company, we're always going to you know, keep the mission in mind as to how can we best serve um, not only our core customers who are paying, but also the customers who are receiving uh, their donation products. So every pair of socks I buy, a person in a homeless shelter gets a pair of socks or a T-shirt. That's, the, that's going to be the model going ahead. That's correct. And for whatever product that we're selling, so T-shirts, we donate T-shirts. Underwear, we'll donate underwear. And hopefully we'll get to a size and scale where we can have a really meaningful impact on, you know, providing brand new, you know, size specific, design specific, you know, it, it goes beyond just the product, right? It, it, it's providing dignity as well, right? Because homeless, the people in the homeless community that I interact with on a regular basis are now recognizing when I hand them a pair of socks, they go, oh, wow, Bombas, I love these socks. They last longer. They're super comfortable. So it's not... You know, it's not just giving them, you know, any product, it's giving them a specific product so that they also feel valued. So let me turn to Suzanne, if I may, to talk a little bit about what the U.S. Chambers of Commerce can do to foster these or other models um, in terms of uh, equality of opportunity and other, other methods. 
Well, thanks so much, Ed. I'm excited to be here and I love hearing David's story. Uh, it's so fun having my job at the Chamber because I get to talk to CEOs who are doing well and doing good, and it's always fun to hear. I wore my Bombas today too, David, I want you to know, the little right. no sew tie-dyes. We are launching a national initiative today uh, on the inequality of opportunity barriers that have faced particularly the Black community for too long. The, we have more than 500 organizations across the country coming together in a big town hall to look specifically at employment, education, entrepreneurship, criminal justice reform. Where in businesses' sphere of influence can we help create more opportunity, create more equality, and lift people up through jobs and through dignity? So let me turn back to David, if I may now. How has this massive economic turndown um, downturn affected Bombas specifically? Had you, have you had to furlough people or are you managing through this? No, I mean, so thankful. Um, our business is actually quite thriving um, in, in this moment. I think like all businesses, you know, when COVID first hit at, you know, the end of February and we headed into March, you know, we saw year over year growth decline at rates that, you know, we were typically, you know, 100% plus year-over-year year growth for the last six years, and to see negative year-over-year year growth on a weekly basis was quite um, frightening. But I think as the world started to settle into the new normal, and as I'm sure everybody is seeing across the board, retail dollars are shifting online, everybody's looking, you know, they're spending time at home, they're finding ways that, you know, they can either be more comfortable or enjoy their home life. Um, you know, in a weird way, socks have become the new shoes, right? If people aren't going outside as much, um, we've seen a, a tremendous response to our business. And I also think a lot of that is rooted, you know, in our mission as well, because not only are people getting comfort for themselves, they know with every purchase, they're giving comfort back to somebody as well. And look, we know that it's those with the least who often suffer the most in times of, you know, crisis, um, and you know the homeless community is is no different in this in this moment. So we've actually gone beyond socks, where we're you know donating sanitary items with some of our our corporate partners. We had an initiative in New York City where we were sending our employees around to different offices that had been closed, but stockpiled you know hundreds and hundreds of you know sanitary wipes and masks and all these things for people if they were going to stay in the office. And then we redistributed those out to our giving partners here in New York City. So. I think, you know, we communicate out that message and share with people what we're doing. And I think people are responding really positively to that. So Suzanne, not every company can be giving out socks or t-shirts or even sanitary items, but are there lessons from a company like Bombas that you try to communicate to other companies or that you would like to communicate to other companies? Absolutely. We have a Center for Corporate Citizenship that for more than 20 years has helped companies come together to share best practices, share ideas, talk about how they can do good, but also coordinate those efforts. For example, sometimes we see in disaster relief that companies do good, but in such an individual way that they're not coordinated in their efforts in a way that really helps the community. So our Center for Corporate Citizenship helps companies come together and coordinate their efforts for the highest possible impact and i'll just i'll just add to that you know right. what i recommend to entrepreneurs and i have people who are starting businesses all the time reaching out is you know if you build in corporate responsibility from the beginning right and it's in your dna 
you will be so much better off to respond to moments like this because look, we had a four person dedicated giving team in our office, right? It was part of our corporate, you know, org structure. And so, and then on top of that, we have 3,500 giving partners that we already have relationships with. We already know how to distribute products to those people so that in times of need, it was actually our partners and, and our corporate friends who were coming to us and saying, hey, I've got bars of soap. How can I get them to people? I've got bed sheets. How can I get them to homeless shelters? I've got, you know, we're making masks now. How can we get these out to the people? And so if you build it in from the start, you then don't have to scramble in real time to think, okay, not only how do I save my own business, but how can I also do more to help? So I tell everybody, it's like, don't wait for that moment to be reactionary, just start it from the beginning. One, one quick question as well about your internal culture. One of the things we've heard a lot about in, in terms of keeping businesses going is the pressure on working parents. People have got unique pressures now to manage uh, commitments at home as well as in the workplace. Have, how have you addressed that at Bombas? Yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of built into our culture from the beginning. You know, culture has been kind of one of the most important things that I and the rest of the founders and the executive team have focused on. I think it translates to, you know, we've been in business for seven years. We've got over 150 employees and only six people have ever left the company. Um, you know, outside of COVID, we've always said that you know, if you're dealing with a mental illness or you just had a really bad breakup or a family member is sick or dying or you have to take care of somebody, you know, take the time, right? We we trust you. We understand that, you know, you'll hit your goals. We, we work together as a team. You know, we're rooted in this idea of, you know, Bomba stands for the word, it comes from the word, the Latin word for bumblebee. These are as a hive. They work together to make their world a better place. They support each other. And we kind of have that built in from the start. So we know that with this you know, pandemic, parents have been hit so hard because they're doing double duty, right? They're working two jobs now and they're working two jobs at the same time. So it's like during the day they're teaching, they're cooking, they're cleaning, and they're also having to manage their own jobs. So we've encouraged parents like take time if you want to start later, if you want a more flexible schedule, if you need to take three days off to, you know, run a garden hose in the background and, and you know, play with your kids, like go do whatever you need to do. And we'll either have people there to support you or we know that, you know, look, it's not, it's not the end of the world if you miss a couple deadlines. Um, you know, we're building Bombas for the long term. So we're not, you know, we're luckily we're not venture capital backed. We don't have to hit these kind of milestones for growth. We're not concerned with public valuations and things like that. Like, you know, we look at the brands like Patagonia and Nike and Apple, you know, good brands are built over decades. They're not built over years. And so, Thanks. you know, we inherit that longevity. So I have a viewer question that's come in that I'd like to put to Zazan. It's from Damien Wilson of California, and let me read it. Following the Black Lives Matter movement, how did today's business leaders best enact commercially valued ongoing practices in social responsibility so that the current activism of equality for all doesn't end up being another historical case of corporate window dressing. I love that question because it was the driving force behind today's uh, national summit, which is what does action look like? How do you take the passion of this moment and really turn it into action? How do you define what the barriers to opportunity are and then enact private sector solutions and government involvement 
that makes meaningful, impactful change. And so I think the answer to your question is, it takes understanding what those barriers are. Stuff we've worked on for a long time, high quality childcare, K through 12 education, workforce development, criminal justice reform, et cetera. But what are we missing? What are we not understanding? We know what a job means to a community. We know what it means to a health outcome. We know what it means to a family. How do we make sure that that 100-year-old mission of ours extends to every American in every community? What's keeping us from doing that and helping lift those communities up? And if we can understand those barriers from these 500 state and local chambers on the ground, then we can enact true private sector solutions and government action to create real change. And that's the goal. Action. This is a real balancing act, right, between corporate responsibility, bringing that into the chamber's mission, which has to be to stimulate the economy and to drive the economy. So how do you how do you navigate that that line? Well, they don't feel separate to me. Right. I mean, it starts with if you look at David's story, the dignity that he is bringing his employees with jobs. I and mean, I've read about the company, great benefits, the flexibility he's offering his employees. We have to start with what a contribution to society that is, what that job means. Then you say, once the company is doing well, look at all the good that it can do. Or in David's case, how they grew that at the same time, doing well and doing good as part of his DNA, right? And so I think you can't separate them out. An employer should be part of its community. An employer has to breathe that air, drink that water. And so I think what you're going to see is increasing numbers of companies that don't see corporate social responsibility and profit as separate, but actually conjoined. That leads me to a question for David here. Do you have other companies coming to you, looking directly at your model and asking you how to reproduce it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I hope that we're an inspiration for, you know, other companies, um, you know, similar to the way that, you know, we were inspired by those that came before us. Um, you know, I, I, again, as I said, I strongly encourage and whenever I speak outwardly or, you know, in one-on-one -on -one mentorship sessions, I'm always encouraging brands to, you know, this is kind of the new way of doing business, right? It, it's kind of expected by the consumer these days. And I think that as more brands like ours continue to, you know, grow and get recognized for being not only successful from a, you know, business perspective, but also from a community and impact perspective, I think more and more entrepreneurs and the customers are going to realize that this is going to be table stakes going forward. So just as a, as a final question, David, I'd love to ask you about the challenges. If you had the opportunity to address one of these BMS, these huge companies that have been, you know, instead of being a few years old like yours, 20 or 30 years old with an enormous corporate culture that goes way back, how would you go about realigning that sort of corporate culture to match the current demands of society? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, look, I, I'm a huge subscriber that it starts with the top, right? And if you yourself as the CEO or, or as an executive or as a board member, if you are not doing the work and, and taking a stand and being vulnerable, then nobody else in your organization are, is going to do that, right? It, it takes you to hold the mirror up to yourself and say, very honestly, you know, and be vulnerable to say, like, what are the areas that we can make improvements on? Where have we, you know, made mistakes in the past? How can we learn from that? And how can we set benchmarks and goals going forward? I mean, look, Bombas is, is not a perfect company. Um, you know, over the last 12 months, 
you know, prior to, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, we started to have to address, you know, diversity and inclusion uh, across the board as an organization. And look, as a company that was founded by four white men, um, you know, I had to really confront a lot of the privilege that I had that I was never directly or comfortable enough with to, you know, own. And, you know, I was raised in a time where we were supposed to not see color and we were not supposed to point out the differences in people. But actually, by, by not doing that, we're actually, you know, that's benefiting, I think, white people, particularly white men, because we're the benefits of not recognizing other race. And in order to progress having conversations like, like racial inequality, you have to have the difficult, awkward conversations and, and really put yourself out there and say, here are the things that we've, here are the mistakes we've made and here are what are we gonna do to, to commit going forward to make them better. So David, thank you very much. Suzanne, thank you very much for your insights. It was wonderful to have you both on today. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.